Welcome to Atomic Turtle, a Gamera podcast, a show all about Japan's favorite flying, fire-breathing, super monster, guardian of the universe, and friend of all children. I'm your host, Matt. Coming at you from Olympia, Washington, and I'm apparently recording on the busiest day of the year, so I apologize in advance if you hear traffic outside. So there are a lot of kaiju movie podcasts out there, and a lot of kaiju movies to cover. So you may be wondering, why make a podcast all about Gamera? Isn't Godzilla more popular? Well, yes, definitely yes. And again, there are a ton of podcasts covering the big G alone, and I'm a fan of a lot of them. But where are the Gamera podcasts? Correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I know, there aren't any. Makes sense. He doesn't have as many movies or fans as other tokusatsu series, and the quality of a lot of his movies are... Meh. <laughs> Not all of them, though, and we're going to get into the great movies in a later episode, but today we're going to talk about an okay one. But I think even the cheesier ones are at least fun to talk about, and overall, I think the Flying Turtle and his bonkers enemies, they deserve a little more attention than they get. So thanks for coming along with me on this ride, and I hope you have as much fun listening to it as I had putting it together. Before we get into this episode's movie, I thought I'd give you a little background on my history with Gamera. It all started with Pee-wee's Playhouse. No, seriously. It seems like most people in America discovered Gamera through, like, Mystery Science Theater 3000. But for me, it was an episode of Pee-wee's Playhouse I saw when I was probably six or seven years old in an episode focused on Japanese culture. Spoiler, the word of the day was place. If I remember right, it showed clips of a few different Gamera movies, and I was all about that shit. By the time I saw this, I was already a big Godzilla and Ultraman fan. And to top it off, I loved Turtles, and even had a pet one at the time. But I think what really caught my attention was how wild the movies looked compared to Godzilla, especially the monster designs. Back in the early 90s, the internet obviously didn't exist as it is now, so I just had to wait for one of these movies to eventually pop up on TV. I don't remember exactly when, but eventually there was a marathon on the sci-fi channel, so I got to binge a bunch of these movies in one sitting. Meanwhile, my parents were probably shaking their heads in the next room because I was watching giant turtle movies on my Saturday instead of playing outside like a normal kid. Well, Gamera quickly played second fiddle to Godzilla for me, and when there would be a kaiju movie marathon on TV, I would usually skip the Gamera ones and just show up for the Godzilla movies or whatever other Toho properties happen to be included like Rodan or Mothra. It's not that I didn't like Gamera, his movies just came across as cheap and goofy to me back then. Yeah, I scoffed at these movies but loved Son of Godzilla. Yeah, kids don't know shit. But probably just six or seven years ago, I finally discovered the amazingness that is the 90s Gamera trilogy. And goddamn did I fall in love. It, it actually inspired me to go out and buy a cheap box set of all the classic Gamera flicks and give them a go again. And I've got to say, even the lower regarded Gamera movies have their charm. I had a blast going back and watching entries like Gamera vs. Gauss or Virus or Guiron. Okay, let's just address this now. I probably pronounced a few of those wrong, but keep in mind, I'm a fan but not like the life obsession kind of fan, and I'm sure I'll learn the proper pronunciation on the way, so bear with me before sending any angry emails. Anyway, I fell right back in love with the wacky set designs and over-the-top plots, ridiculous alien costumes, all that shit. Like the Godzilla series, some were serious in tone, while others were just plain fun. And I'm at an age now where I've learned to appreciate the different eras of the series. If you're already a Gamera fan, you're probably aware that there aren't that many movies to cover. To date, there's only 12. Well, that's the fun part. I plan to cover the original, subtitled Japanese releases and the English dubs. And oh boy, is there some fun to be had with the latter. In fact, call it blasphemy, but we're actually going to start this podcast off with the English dub of Gamera the Giant Monster, which was renamed Gamera the Invincible for American viewers. And get used to that, because a lot of his movies were renamed. 
The reason I'm starting with the English dub is just that it's funny as hell, so why not start with something entertaining? I will go back at some point and give the original cut the attention that it deserves. But for now, let's get into this bastardization, Gamera the Invincible. And P.S. Um, I may even cover other kaiju movie properties on occasion, so yeah, this podcast could go on for a while. All right. Gamera the Invincible, directed by Noriaki Yuasa. The American release is directed by Sandy Howard. The Japanese version, read by Nissan Takahashi. The American version, Richard Kraft. And it was released the 15th of December, 1966 in the U.S. And just for fun, the IMDb rating is 5.2 out of 10. Inspired by the success of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds and, of course, Toho's Godzilla series, Masaichi Nagata, a studio head for Daiei Film, decided to produce a creature disaster movie to be directed by Noriaki Yuasa. And get this, before we get the fire-breathing turtle that we all know and love, the film was initially supposed to be about a swarm of sewer rats, and the original title was Giant Horde Beast Nezura. Just imagine a world where, instead of kids riding on the back of a flying turtle, they're riding on top of a swarm of disease-ridden sewer rats. See, I'm living in the wrong reality, damn it. Honestly, I might do an episode one day just about that premise alone. It's a pretty wild story. Well, that production was a disaster, so the filmmakers had to come up with something more doable. Well, during a flight, Nagata daydreamed about a giant turtle flying alongside the plane. And boom, Gamera was born. And despite a limited budget, an increasingly tight schedule, faulty props, and harassment from shithead studio execs, director Yuasa was determined to get this movie made, and only using Daiei Films' resources. Well, Gamera the Giant Monster was released in Japan on November 27th, 1965, and was a much bigger hit than they expected, quickly leading to a higher budget and colorized sequel, Gamera vs. Barugan, which was released just a year later. But it wasn't until that same year that people here in the U.S. would get to see the black and white first movie. Unfortunately, it was acquired by Harris Associates, Inc. and World Enterprises Corporation. And like the original Godzilla movie before it, it was renamed, heavily edited with new footage featuring American actors, and they even added an extra M to Gamera's name in the title, so audience members would stop calling the movie Camera. Oh boy. So without further ado, let's get right into Gamera the Invincible. The version I'm going into is on Amazon Prime, because I'm in the middle of a move and my Gamera collection is in a box in a storage unit, so <laughs> Amazon Prime it is. <laughs> So yeah, it starts with this song that really invokes people being killed by fire breath. The movie opens with a Japanese expedition by a ship called Chidori Maru through Alaska. Meanwhile, some US planes are flying through to find a route through the top of the continent. We get a narration describing this that really reminds me of the beginning of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Dr. A.J. Hidaka, the expedition zoologist and his two companions, Kiyoki, his assistant, and Aoyagi, a member of the press, go ashore to survey life and come across a colony of Eskimos. Well, they catch some Russian jets overhead, and word from the Japanese ship reaches a military base, where we get our first taste of the American cut's blatant sexism. Susan, we know you've marked yourself no trespassing, but you shouldn't stop a guy for trying. Maybe it's cold outside. It's right, gorgeous. You gotta thaw out. Well, General Arnold at the base orders the U.S. planes to intercept the Russians. It actually leads to a surprisingly suspenseful scene of the U.S. pilots trying to communicate with the Russians with no response. So they shoot one of them down, which happens to have been carrying an atomic bomb, so that shit explodes. Well, luckily, the Eskimo village and the Chidori Maru are outside the fallout of the explosion. Unluckily, it cracks the ground open and awakens a giant fucking turtle. And the opening credits play with lots of glamour shots of Gamera. 
Back at the US base, they've realized the Russian planes didn't mean to interfere with the American business and just flew off course because of some interference. So the US response was basically, LOL, our bad. Then General Arnold calls Sergeant Embers over for some more of that 1960 sexism. Oh, Sergeant Embers. Yes, General? Would you give me a cup of coffee, please? Black, no sugar. And you better make another pot. It looks like a long day. Yes, sir. Jesus Christ. Well, anyway, back in Antarctica, Dr. Hidaka and his crew can't reach anyone by Morse because of that mysterious interference. Before taking off, they're given a stone by the chief of the colony, and Hidaka explains to his team that it's a primitive carving of a proto-Chelonian, or an ancestral turtle. So the chief tells him that it relates to the old stories of Gamera, a bringer of destruction. Back at the Chidori Maru, the crew are spotted by Gamera, and they freak the fuck out. And Amazon Prime freaks out too with its subtitles. It just says, interposing voices when everybody's yelling, and this happens a lot. And in another surprisingly suspenseful scene, Gamera takes the ship down with everyone on board while they try at no avail to radio out for help. It's actually, yeah, it's a good scene. Back at the U.S. base, it's reported that a giant turtle is responsible. Well, word gets out quickly as it goes to a classic montage of, like, newspaper articles spinning onto the screen about the incident. You know the kind I'm talking about. And in classic U.S. monster movie dub fashion, we get to see a TV discussion about the science of giant monsters explained by noted zoologist Dr. Emmerich Contrer. And he's here to basically explain why the skepticism of the show's host is wrong and basically calls them ignorant fucks, which is pretty cool. He says that Gamera was basically in a state of hibernation under ice until the atomic bomb was set off. And you get a pretty ahead-of-its-time theory behind the whole controversy. Now, you may blithely ignore the statements of Dr. Hedaka, if you wish. However, I note that you haven't offered a more reasonable explanation for the total destruction of the Chitaramaru. If you'll get down from your pulpit for one minute, I'd like to ask you why Washington is so silent about all this. Or do you know more about it than the government? It would not be the first time Washington has kept the truth from the public, whether it be flying saucers or Gamera. Man, Emmerich Contrer is a fucking badass. It was at this point I realized that even though interjecting U.S. actors is unnecessary, it's really not all bad. I kind of enjoy some of the social commentary. Anyway, we go to some Washington government meeting discussing what to do, and it's revealed that a UFO has also been involved in the sightings of that day. So now things are getting really interesting, and I could see moviegoers at the time being like, what is going on with this movie? And according to reports, the UFO should be arriving over Japan sometime soon. This is a long scene, and in any other movie I would have found it kind of boring, but in the U.S. cut, we're introduced to one of the greatest assholes of kaiju cinema, Senator Billings. This guy is so smug. He looks like Sean Penn in hipster glasses and shoots down literally every suggestion of Gamera existing. It's actually a pretty great performance. I wish he was in the movie more. But yeah, where was Dr. Emmer Contrer to shut this guy up? Luckily, he's shut down by everyone else, and the Gamera operation proceeds. Then we go back to Japan, where an old drunk guy witnesses a flying saucer passing by in the night. I kind of love it because you get this instantly interesting guy in just this 10-second scene of exposition. The next day, two people on the Japanese town Erimo, or Erimo, I'm going to say Erimo, Nobuyo Sakurai and Mr. Ueda meet up. Ueda tells Sakurai about her little brother Toshio and his obsession with turtles interfering with schoolwork, so I guess this is a teacher. It's never really explained in this version. Anyway, it's chalked up to Toshio living in a lighthouse and the isolation that comes with it. So this is the beginning of, you know children being tied into Gamera, which becomes a, a thing throughout the series. His turtle lust interferes with him making friends, so his sister and dad make him give up his pet turtle. But on his walk to set the little guy free, Toshio sees Gamera coming out of the ocean. So everyone in town sees him coming. And for some dumb reason, Toshio climbs the lighthouse. <laughs> well, Gamera knocks that shit down, but catches Toshio before he falls to his death. 
So he sets Toshio down before taking back off of the sea. So yeah, I guess they see Gamera as a hero, even though he was the one that destroyed the lighthouse that he saved the kid from. The next day, Gamera attacks a geothermal installation. It's located in a volcanic area, which is known to harness electricity. And that's a clue, baby. Also, really good cinematography in the scene. Like, I actually really like the miniature sets in this. So, Dr. Hidaka and his crew from earlier join the military to see what might happen at the next geothermal installation. And we get a pretty awesome display of the movie's practical effects as the military attacks Gamera here. So, despite the lower budget, the miniatures and creature design are pretty damn effective. Especially, like, the mountains in the background. It really gives, like, a sense of atmosphere here. Well, to everyone's fucking surprise, the turtle literally eats the flames from all of the destruction. Now the world is starting to understand the seriousness of Gamera's power. So, of course, we cut back to the U.S. Board of Important People. And for once, I almost agree with Senator Billings, whose first instinct is to not go immediately to nukes. But they all agree that he's an asshole and give the Japanese government the go-ahead to go ahead with whatever they deem necessary. And as the rest of the world is at stake, they talk about lunch. Now, gentlemen, I think we'd better order in some lunch. We're apt to be here for some time. So we go back to Japan, and Professor Murase is introduced. I guess his authority is above Dr. Hidaka. Anyway, Hidaka says the nuclear weapons are more of a use to Gamera than a harm. He suggests and said that the cold could work because of the monster being found frozen. Turns out the army has a freezing bomb in development, so they decide to give that a shot. The catch is that it can only last 10 minutes. Well, the military gives it a shot, they freeze him long enough to blow him onto his back, and they see this as a fallout victory and laugh at him like a bunch of assholes. But then, Gamera pulls his head and legs into his shell, shoots flames from the holes of the shell, spins, and fucking flies the hell out of there. So that's the flying saucer. Well, it's concluded that the creatures from Gamera's time needed sulfur compounds to live instead of oxygen, explaining why he consumes fire. So we cut to a meeting of the United Nations, another meeting, who all eventually conclude that it's up to General Arnold and Sokolovsky of the Soviet Army to decide on a plan together. And that's Japan's Plan Z. What's Plan Z? Oh boy, you're gonna find out. Cut back to Japan. In Tokyo, Nobio Sakurai and her brother Toshio visit Dr. Hidaka's office. Toshio explains to Hidaka that Gamera is probably just as lonely as he is. He says, even a turtle doesn't like to be alone. If people were kind to Gamera, I bet he could be trained to be nice and quiet, like other turtles. Okay, so I'm going to be honest. I don't know if it's because <laughs> I was taking these notes at a bar and, like, Disturbs cover of Sound of Silence was playing at the same time or what. But that line gave me a shot of the feels, knowing where Gamera goes from this point on in the series. Well, it's revealed that Plan Z will take place at Oshima Island in Tokyo Bay. But that's all that we're given for now. So Gamera attacks Tokyo, and we cut to a nightclub playing the Gamera theme music. So the military try to clear the place out, but the dancers decide that they'd rather die than give up the chance to dance to this groovy tune. So yeah, uh, Gamera fucking kills them. And it's after this that we see Gamera breathing fire for the first time, as he attacks the hell out of Tokyo. Savor this, folks. It's the only time in the entire franchise you get to see him go beast mode on humanity. Then you get a whole sequence of him smashing the hell out of buildings. Toshio stares at him from afar, telling him to knock it off like Gamera can even hear him. Well, he doesn't. And the next day, Toshio runs off from his older sister. He goes onto a train in the Kiyashu refinery, where the military is setting off charges on trains that roll toward Gamera until Plan Z is ready on Oshima Island. So their plan is to keep him happy with the fire from the charges in the meantime, and it works out pretty well, until the kid hops on one of those trains and barrels towards Gamera. A member of the military narrowly avoids them being blown to hell, saves his ass, and brings him back to base. So we cut back to the UN, and find that Plan Z has to be completed within 24 hours because... No reason. <laughs> well, anyway, in Tokyo, Toshio hops on board a freight headed for Plan Z in Oshima. He's found when he arrives, and Dr. Hidaka admires his passion for Gamera and tells him that he can stay as long as he behaves. 
So back in Tokyo, his sister Nobuyo gets word that he's safe on the base in Oshima. Uh, now we start seeing Plan Z take effect. A trail of fire from Tokyo Bay is set by the military, leading Gamera to Oshima. So he drinks the fire up and follows it. So Plan Z seems to be going all right, whatever it is. Unfortunately, a typhoon warning takes effect. So the wind starts blowing out the fire before Gamera can reach Oshima. And he starts heading back for the sea. Man, these guys are just having like the worst day. Well, Aoyagi, remember him? Yeah, a lot of characters. He sets the encampment on fire to get Gamera's attention. It works and Gamera comes ashore. So Rain starts putting the fire out, and you think he's going to take off to the sea. But a volcano in Oshima erupts and catches his attention. So Gamera follows the eruption into some hatches that enclose him into a giant capsule. And this capsule rockets Gamera into fucking space, and everyone rejoices. Yeah, so that's Plan Z. Just send him to space. So the UN radio gives good news to the world, explaining that international cooperation averted world doom. Dr. Hidaka tells Toshio that Gamera will still be lonely, but Toshio says it's okay because when I grow up, I'm going to be a scientist like you. And with that mixed message, the movie ends. Okay, so first thoughts. If I've ever seen a Japanese movie with additional American footage added in, this is it. I mean, at least with Godzilla King of the Monsters, Raymond Burr was made to look like he's interacting with characters from the Japanese cut. Here, not a single added character has direct interaction with the original cast or the monster action. That being said, I do find that this aspect adds to some of the hokier charm. Also, Gamera movies definitely become known for monster battles, but this is his one solo outing, and it's pretty damn entertaining considering. It helps that for once he's the threat, so the plot is based around Gamera. There is a lot of time spent in boardrooms and just listening to plans to take him out, but the movie is short and clicks along at a nice pace so you don't get bored. Alright, the next thing, special effects. I don't know if it's because the movie was in black and white, but I think Gamera looks pretty good in this one. And there are others where he looks pretty damn fake, but they pulled it off here. The miniature destruction and flying effects are pretty good too. Considering all the trouble that they went through getting this movie made, I say bravo. Next thing is what I liked. Uh, some surprisingly good cinematography, and that's gonna come up in other movies from the Showa era of Gamera movies. And here's the positive on Toshio. He may be dumb as a brick, but he's not as annoying as some other kids in the series. And oh boy, just wait till we get to them. As far as what I didn't like, I think I've only seen the Japanese cut of this one time ever, and it was a while ago, so I can't remember if the characters are more fleshed out or not. But here, with the American cast added, there's just too many people to keep track of, and we don't get quite enough time with any of them to really make us care about any of them. Wow, now I sound like all the critics who bash Legendary's Monsterverse. Anyway, I'm looking forward to going back to the original version and comparing. But for now, a lack of someone to connect to is my big issue with this movie. As far as characters, well, I guess we pretty much covered that already. But I do have a soft spot for Senator Billings. All right, here's, gonna, here's something I'm going to do every episode. Most Annoying Roar Award. And in this one, it's Gamera by default. If there's one thing <laughs> that these movies have over the Godzilla series, it's monsters with annoying roars. And right now, Gamera's in the lead. So I guess that's just about everything I have to say about the American cut of this movie. Um, in the next episode, we're going to be covering Gamera vs. Barugon, not to be confused with Baragon from the Toho monster movies. It's also called War of the Monsters. And again, we're going to start with the English dub. So get ready to see Gamera take on a rainbow farting lizard birthed by Athlete's Foot and in full color. Sound ridiculous? Well, this movie's just the tip of the iceberg. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for episode one of Atomic Turtle. Hope you're enjoying this ride so far. And if you want to contact the podcast, you can shoot me an email at atomicturtlepodcast at gmail.com and let me know about your introduction to Gamera. You can also leave a voicemail to be played on the next episode of the show by going to anchor.fm and finding the podcast profile there. And if you really want to help the show out, the best way to do it is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, so please do. Till next time, I'm Matt. Peace out.